You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell, and we have an excellent show on tap for you today because the Colts head into the bye week after embarrassing the Texans in Houston. We're going to recap the game, we'll discuss takeaways, and we'll check in on the Colts' playoff hopes in the ever-evolving AFC. Uh, Mike, are you ready to get into it? Ready to go. The one thing that the Colts need to look into is maybe schedule Houston a few more times. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, you've outscored them 62-3, to so you know a few more Houston Texans than schedule wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, not not quite the uh, nail biters that they were last year when Deshaun Watson was still slinging it around. Right. But uh, let's go ahead and get into the game recap. Six and six Indianapolis Colts visit the two and nine Houston Texans. No Ryan Kelly in this one. He was added to the COVID list on Saturday. Thankfully, the bye week helps with that. Um, we'll have to check in with him when we get the chance. But to start the game, Houston had the ball, but they would not have it for long because on the very first play Tyrod Taylor's pass towards the sideline is intercepted by Kenny Moore it was initially ruled incomplete but a review showed that he got both feet down Kenny do your dance an excellent interception and the Colts start with the ball at the 29 six straight runs gets the Colts into the end zone Jonathan Taylor punched it in from one yard out and just like that the Colts are up seven to nothing Houston with the ball again, and they're driving near midfield. They have a first and 10, and tightened Pharaoh Brown catches a short pass, heads up field, but he has the ball punched out by Kenny Moore. The Colts recover at the 49. Two series, two takeaways for Kenny Moore. Get this man into the Pro Bowl. What say you, Mike? The only problem is that he's a nickel corner, and that's how he's viewed as a nickel corner, but without question. It's about making plays, takeaways, and all this, and that's what he does. Uh, I, I I hope that if, if they can get some more national pub, uh, the Patriots game will be, be a great chance. You've got you've got to get the national people to notice Kenny Moore because people around here we've seen this for several years. Certainly, he's a Pro Bowler. Absolutely, and I mean, hopefully, HBO him being featured on that show will get him on that national scale because I mean he deserves so much more attention that he gets uh slot cornerbacks matter too and Kenny Moore matters a lot to this defense uh so the Colts have the ball second time trying to score again off of the turnover capitalize on some good field position their drive reaches Houston 16 yard line but on third and five rookie tight end Kylan Granson can't haul in a contested pass 35 yard Michael Bagley field goal is wide left. His first miss of the year. The score remains seven to nothing. I know it's just one miss, and even the best of kickers miss from time to time. Nobody's perfect. But does this miss open the door for Rodrigo Blankenship's return, or is it just one small blip and Bagley will have to miss a lot more than just one kick um, before he's replaced? I would think normally you need to miss more than one. I mean, seriously. But this has been a dicey thing from the start. We're right. We're, we're sticking with him because it's the hot hand and he's perfect and all this. So I don't. And, and keep in mind, Hot Rod's ready to kick. He's ready to come back. He's been ready for a couple of weeks to where, had it been necessary, he'd be your kicker. So I, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Colts approach this. You know, 
uh, uh, Hot Rod's missed a kicker, too. Let's not forget he missed a 37-yarder in the playoffs. There was a heck of a lot more damaging than this. So it, it, it's a situation that I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to, to seeing how it plays out. I would think it's going to take more than one. But the problem is maybe the second one's one that you really, really need. So it, it, this is, this is you know, we, we sort of make light of it. But when your kicker's out there, points are on the line every time. So in this game, not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Against uh, the Patriots or, or, or the Raiders or, or whomever, it might be a bigger deal. I'm really curious to see how Frank Reich and the Colts handle this. So, Mike, for clarification, how long can the Colts hold Blankenship out and still bring him back? Is there a certain point where he's just done for the year and they can't bring him back, or can they just keep him on IR as long as they want to? I, I wish I, were, I was more schooled on the rules. I'm pretty sure that he can stay on IR until you designate him for return, and which they did for Kari Willis last week. And then I believe you've got a 21-day window to do something with him. And at the end of that window, you activate him or he's on IR. So that's one thing that when we asked Frank Reich about maybe designating Rodrigo uh, for return uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, he said, well, there's no, there's no reason to start the clock ticking yet. So you, you just let him sit there. They, they, they wouldn't want to use the term, but they're basically stashing a healthy player on IR, which I'm sure every team's doing this, but, yeah, I don't. The clock doesn't start ticking on him until you designate him to return, which they've done with a couple players. Okay. Well, it sounds like Rodrigo will probably stay on IR until Bagley uh, misses a few more field goals, at least. Uh, but we'll see. Next several series were not a good display of offense. The Colts' defense forced four consecutive Texans punts to end the half. Indy's offense hit a bit of a rut. They were forced to punt twice themselves. Indianapolis really didn't get into a rhythm on offense until midway through the second quarter when they went on an 11-play drive that took nearly seven minutes off the clock. They made some key conversions on this drive, including a fourth and one from Houston's 31-yard line. Wentz picked that up with a QB sneak up the middle. And then a third and 11, Wentz found Jack Doyle for 13 yards. The drive ended with an Ashton Doolin touchdown from two yards out. Uh, really made a nice catch in the back of the end zone. Second straight game with a touchdown from Ashton Doolin. Colts go up 14 to nothing. Indianapolis gets the ball to start the second half, and they would go on their best drive of the game. Nine plays, 75 yards, a healthy mix of Jonathan Taylor's legs and Carson Wentz's arm, got them to the three-yard line, and then Taylor punched it in for his second touchdown of the day. Colts extend their lead to 21. After the team's trade punts, Houston manages to drive into the Colts' territory, but Indianapolis gets yet another stop, this time on fourth and six. Indy's offense takes over at the 40. Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor set the Colts up with a first and goal at the five-yard line, but the drive stalls and Indy elects to kick a field goal. This time, Bagley connects from 25 yards out. The score is 24-0 to zero with nine minutes left in the game. Following another three and out forced by the defense, the Colts are looking to milk the clock. Three straight Jonathan Taylor runs, picks up a first down, 
But on his fourth straight run, Taylor fumbles. It's recovered by the Texans. I guess Taylor is human after all. This was his third fumble of the year. Uh, just the second he's lost, however. Really, that that's the first little crack in Taylor's armor that we've seen because, I mean, he had another monster game in this one. And really, thankfully for the Colts, you know, sometimes a player a fumble can really come at the worst time. It seems like Carson Wentz's few interceptions this year have really come at the worst times. Thankfully for Taylor, this fumble is one that they could afford. You know, it's really kind of funny, and, and it's easy to, to, to go into this in hindsight, but people really complaining about uh, the, the 26 consecutive passes against Tampa, and boy, if they didn't throw the ball so much, then Wentz is not going to put the ball up at risk. You know, the more you throw it, the more you can take a risk. Well, the, the, the more you run the ball, 32 carries. I mean, you're getting hit 32 times. People are grabbing at the ball 32 times. So it's if things work, you're doing the right way. If they don't work, then do something else. So it was clear from the very start, which we'll get into, that this was going to be a run-the-damn-ball game. They decided that. They were going to do that. They stuck with it. But, again, the more times you carry the ball, occasionally you're going to have something happen. It just happens. So, uh, but uh, another great day for him, and uh, it, it's crazy. 32 carries matches a career high. Great day for Jonathan Taylor, except for the fumble. Yeah, Taylor already has more carries this season than he did all of last year. Uh, that was one of the main complaints about Taylor coming out of college is he put the ball on the ground a few times, has not been as much of a concern in the pros. All in all, he's done a pretty good job on in that aspect. Uh, so after the fumble... Let's see here. Uh, wouldn't really matter because Houston would fail to pick up a first down. Another turnover on downs. About five and a half minutes remaining in the game. Colts are looking to really milk the clock here. Most of the starters are enjoying their time on the bench at this point. But even still, Indy goes on a nine-play drive uh, that took the clock down under two minutes. The Colts surpassed 30 points for the seventh time in the past eight games on a Deion Jackson touchdown run, the undrafted rookie's first career touchdown, 31 to nothing. Colts, Houston gets the ball back, and man, this defense just needs to hold it down for one more drive to complete the shutout. Houston does make it into Colts territory, but on fourth and three, Kamoko Ture gets to the quarterback for his second sack of the day. And that was all she wrote. 31 to nothing. The Colts dominated the Texans in Houston. And more than that, Frank Wright said after the game that the Colts came out of it with no injuries. So that's always good to see as well. Hate hate when um, a big win is kind of dampered by a key injury. But the Colts were able to stay healthy in this one. Uh, Ryan Kelly, I guess, is really the main concern. Do you know if he was a close contact or if he tested positive for COVID or is that situation unclear? That's where privacy enters into it, and we don't know. I, I was going to say, I assume, uh, if, if, the way the rules are, if he is unvaccinated, which as of the last time this came up was in August, September maybe, he was unvaccinated. An unvaccinated player who tests positive has got to be out at least 10 days. So th this is where the buy really, really comes in handy to where maybe he only misses the one game. But we don't know. And this is the second time he, he's been on the list. He was a close contact, I believe it was, uh, back in, was it August? I've got my, you know, I've got my list in front of me when 
I believe Eric Fisher tested positive, and they had four or five close contact guys, Quentin and the quarterback, you know, Wentz, and uh, I think Kyle, pa- uh, Zach Paschal. So you know, the, the bye is coming at, at a, a real good time for a lot of reasons, primarily that maybe only Ryan Kelly misses one game. Yeah, that'd be tough to face New England without Ryan Kelly. All in all, I thought Danny Pincher did a pretty jolly, solid job. He had a couple penalties, and he was uh, the one accountable for Carson Wentz's one sack where he kind of failed to recognize and pick up the blitzer. But Danny Pinter, um, for the most part, did a pretty solid job in backup role. Mike, let's go ahead and move on to takeaways. And, I mean, you got to start with the defense in this one. They were absolutely dominant. On fox59.com and cbs4indy.com, your excellent article kind of lays out just how dominant it was. First road shutout since 1992. Frank Reich, Frank Reich was still playing. He was still <laughs> playing in the league when that happened. Yeah, that's how long ago that was. I believe it was against the Patriots. Six, six to nothing. I was there, and it was ugly, ugly game. Yeah, this one was a little more pretty of a win for Indianapolis. 141 yards allowed, the sixth fewest in the Indy era, and the fewest since 2014. The Texans averaged just 2.8 yards per snap. It's about as bad as it gets. Texans ran seven plays in Indy territory for just one yard, and they didn't even get into Indianapolis territory until the final minute of the third quarter. You know, one one other thing, I I think the closest or the farthest they got was the 40. I mean, you know, it's it's like they didn't forget to put an, an asterisk by their series for, like, red zone. They never got even close to the. They didn't get to the red zone, you know, times two. So that that's that's what when you look at this defense. Yes, the Texans are awful. They're absolutely awful. But still, this was just the sixth shutout in the league this year. And what's crazy is two of them, thirty-one to nothing at home to the Colts in Houston, and Buffalo beat the Bills forty-one to nothing, or uh, Buffalo beat Houston forty-one to nothing in Houston. So. You wonder why there weren't many people in the stands yesterday? That's why. Yeah, we were kind of talking going into the season that Houston was one of the worst teams. They surprised us surprised us with a win the first week, but then uh, in hindsight it came against the Jaguars who aren't doing so great themselves. So the Colts are kind of helped out by being in division with two teams that rank in the bottom three in the NFL. Uh, but nonetheless, the defensive effort was impressive. The Colts had two more takeaways to their count and lead the league with 29. It's the most takeaways Indianapolis has had since 2007 when they accumulated 37 turnovers. They've had at least one takeaway in 14 consecutive games, the NFL's longest active streak, and both takeaways on Sunday came in the first quarter at the hands of Kenny Moore. It's Moore's fourth interception of the year. He leads the Colts. Second straight year for Kenny Moore with four interceptions. Let's see if he can set a career high as the season goes along. Uh, That four interceptions is also tied for seventh in the NFL, so he's top ten in that category. Really, not just, you know, sometimes we talk about Kenny Moore doing the things that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. These things are showing up on the stat sheet, and hopefully we can get him his first Pro Bowl nod. Uh, Kamoko Ture and Muhammad they both had two sacks each, and they're at five on the season, which is just half a sack behind DeForest Buckner for the team lead. 
with 5.5. I know ESPN's Field Yates noted on Twitter that Muhammad got a nice little bonus there for his fourth sack of the year, I believe $100,000, which makes his celebration. He was kind of doing a little little money sign with his fingers there. He, he knew it was at stake. Yeah, the, the, these these players, it's funny, they always say, well, I don't read things. I don't. Yeah, they everybody, every player knows everything. So he, he, knew. he knew. Oh, yeah, I would too. I mean, so would I. If 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 he got paid per article, he'd be chucking out twelve a day. <laughs> and he might be, and he might be a little better. No, I I, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> It'll probably no, be a little it, shorter. Just to, <laughs> that, well, that that's true. Yeah, boy, you make a lot of a lot of good points. But these players do know. It, it is funny though. One one thing, I can't. It was Tony Dungy, back in the two thousands, and I can't remember what game it was. Well, it was it was a, it was a, might have been the perfect season game. No, he wasn't still here. But they, Reggie Wayne needed like three catches to do something. Maybe it was to get a hundred. Maybe it was just to, to trigger something, in his contract. And and he didn't play much in the game. And after the game, somebody pointed out to Tony, "Well, Reggie just needed three more." And and Tony was not upset, but he said, "If I'd have known that, you know, I would have gotten him those whatever three catches, ten yards, whatever it was." He went to Reggie, and Reggie said, "No, it wasn't important to me. I wanted to win." Different situation, but coaches generally don't know, and I don't think they want to know if a player has incentives for yards, carries, receptions. Sacks is a little different, but trust me, players players know what the numbers game is. I'm sure they do. Just before we move on from the first takeaway, I mean, that's kind of one of our keys to the game is a dominant performance from the defense to kind of get to feeling good about themselves after giving up 38 points to Tampa Bay. Darius Leonard talked about what it meant. Um, I, I, I Apparently, T.Y. Hilton gave this speech on Saturday talking about how, you know, good teams can kind of play down to the level of their opponent, but great teams dominate them anyway. It's great to see this from Indianapolis, just really dominating a bad team, going into the bye, no injuries, feeling healthy about themselves, and getting ready for New England in a couple of weeks. We'll we'll get a little bit more into that later in the show as we look at this uh, playoff picture. But first, our second takeaway the Colts ran the damn ball. Frank Wright said, you want runs? I'll give you runs. And run they did. The Colts amassed 238 yards on the ground. It's the third time this season they've eclipsed the 200-yard barrier. JT matched a career high with 32 carries and piled up 143 yards in two touchdowns. He leads the NFL with over 1,300 rushing yards. Uh, no one else is really even close. And he has over... 1,600 yards from scrimmage as well. Taylor tied Lenny Moore's club record with 16 rushing touchdowns on Sunday. Moore set that mark way back in 1964, far, far before Frank Wright was even playing. Uh, It's his 10th straight game with a rushing touchdown for Taylor, one shy of Moore's team record. Uh, And Taylor is the youngest player in NFL history to post a 10-game streak of uh, rushing touchdowns before his 23rd birthday, surpassing Eric Dickerson, who did so at 23 as well. More milestones for Taylor. He joined John Riggs, Ladainley and Tomlinson, Priest Holmes, and Emmett Smith as the only players with a touchdown in 10 consecutive games within one single season. He pushed his single point, his 
excuse me, he pushed his season point total to 108 points and joins Moore and James as the only Colts non-kickers to hit triple digits. I mean, Mike, what this guy's doing is amazing. I saw you note on Twitter, and you made a really good point. Peyton Manning back in the day kind of made 300-yard passing games look routine, and he just kind of got used to it. Jonathan Taylor is starting to do so with 100-yard rushing games. Yeah, the 100 was 143, and it was like, okay, you know, is that all you got? I, I think his long run was at 16 yards. I I, I, need, I haven't got the stat sheet in front Something of me. But like the average that. is just 4.5 a carry. Just. It was, he was, I know, it was just a sledgehammer. It was just boom, boom. And it, it's, it's not because of Quentin Nelson going up to Frank in the fourth quarter at Lucas Oil and say, hey, can we get a straight round play? But they ran the ball 48 times. That's tied for the second most, third most, third most since they've been in Indy, you know, since 84. So it, it, it's it's a case of game to game, week to week, opponent to opponent. And I, I, I believe we talked about last week that the rest of the season, they're not playing Tampa-type defenses where it's going to be hard to run. So I, I, I won't be shocked. I won't be shocked if it's still a little heavy on the run going forward. But, again, like you mentioned and I mentioned on Twitter, he is making these games look like the other day he had against Tampa, he had 83 yards. That's pretty good. I mean, that's, you know, that's on pace for probably a 1,300-yard season. I don't know, when you, over 17 games. So so I, I just think that what he's doing – it's pretty impressive, and the best thing you can do is, like with Peyton Manning, is you know he'd throw 300 yards and two touchdowns, and you think, is that all you got? I mean, really? And that's pre- that's a pretty good day for any any quarterback. So I I like the way this kid's playing, and it, it's I'll just throw it out there. It was talked about a 2,000 yard season for Jonathan Taylor, which is ridiculous because I think only like six guys have done it. He, uh, air quotes, only needs like 137 yards a game to get there. You know, that, that's normally I would say no chance, but that's kind of what he's giving them. So if, if games stay close and, and if they can control tempo and how games are played, not ruling it out. I think he's definitely going to surpass 2,000 yards from scrimmage. I think he only needs yes. like 300 and something more. So right. Jonathan Taylor having a really a legendary season. Um, I think surpassing 20 touchdowns is probable as well, uh, so long as his health holds up, knock on wood. There. The, the, he's, got, he's got 16 rushing touchdowns now, which ties Lenny Moore's record. And I think he has, I mean, what, two receiving touchdowns as well? Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Anytime, anytime, we've always said this, anytime that when, when you're throwing, you can make stats do anything you want. You just can't. I've been in this business a long time, and I can make the most god-awful stats say what I want them to do on a positive angle. But anytime that you're a player and you're mentioned with Edron James and Marshall Falk and Eric Dickerson and Lenny Moore on, on short list in the franchise, and then, you know, the – Tomlinson's and people like that, you're you're doing something really, really well. He sure is. A joy to watch, and hopefully he'll keep running like that against New England in a couple of weeks. Last takeaway here was Wentz and the passing game were just sufficient. Carson Wentz was 16 of 22 for 158 yards. He had the one passing touchdown, no interceptions, 
and averaged 7.2 yards per attempt. You'll certainly take that. As I mentioned previous, he was sacked just one time, and really, if Pinter had recognized the blitzer, maybe sacked zero times. Uh, he finished with a quarterback rating of 107.8. That's the seventh time this season he's finished with a rating of at least 100. That's the second most in the NFL. So Wentz, all in all, playing some good football. He has 22 touchdown passes to just five interceptions on the year and is on pace to throw for over 3,800 yards. Mike Carson Wentz is playing really well. Um, I think what Colts fans are all waiting for is that signature game, that signature moment where he kind of wins the game for the Colts, wins a big game, um, you know, where where he is the reason that the Colts win. Uh, I know that's difficult. We've talked about because outside of Michael Pittman Jr., who had a nice game on Sunday, they don't really have that secondary passing weapon. Um, but but Wentz's stats are all nice and fine, but it's going to take a signature win before he's fully embraced, in my opinion. And that, that should have been in Baltimore. I mean, it, it should because he, he, he played lights out and did more than enough against a, a, a good team. And then the defense simply couldn't get off the field. So, no, but you're, you're right. And one thing I mentioned on Twitter earlier today is that he needs like about, if he takes like 10 snaps against New England, the Colts send a first-round pick to Philly for the trade because he's at like 97%. And if he plays 10 plays, he could miss the rest of the season and still hit the threshold. And about a month ago, we were sitting in the press room just BSing around about, you're going to hear talk. Sit, sit him down. Sit him down so you can protect the first-round pick. And while I understand the argument, there isn't a chance, there wasn't a chance of Chris Ballard or Frank Reich deciding to do that, then how do you go to the locker room? Like we've talked, how do you go to the locker room and tell DeForest Buckner, yeah, I know you're banged up, but, you know, we need you to play. Now, we're going to sit Carson Wentz down. You, you can't do it. You can't do it. And, but the bottom line is, and I've mentioned it two or three times, they didn't make this trade hoping it would be a, a second-round pick in, in 2022. You, you just don't do You don't say, yeah, we're going to make a trade now. We're hoping he misses a quarter of the season. So they did this. with The, the, the condition was in there because of his injury history. But Colts fans and the fan base and all this, they need to be prepared that this is, they're giving up a first-round pick. And if – if this is Carson Wentz moving forward, you know, and he doesn't have one of those, you know, 2020 seasons, the price they paid w w was was, was re more than reasonable, and they'll take this again. He's not the reason that they've lost games. Yeah, the the, the two interception against Tennessee was awful, w was hurtful, but he's done his job. And, and if you if you told Chris Ballard that you're going to have him at what twenty-two and five, and his yards and all this at this point of the season, he 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 would he would do that trade ten out of ten times. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's certainly worth it at this point. And I mean, there's every reason to believe that he's only going to get better going into next year. Second, he'll have year a training camp. He'll have a training camp next year, which he didn't have this year. Hopefully, <laughs> oh, yeah, really, yeah, really. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll have a training camp. Hopefully, the Colts will get him some more weapons to work with. Second year. Uh, building that connection with his pass catchers. I mean, even the harshest Wentz critic has to be encouraged with what he's seen so far. Uh, I mentioned Pittman Jr. He caught six of eight targets for 77 yards. 
also rushed twice for 33 yards. It's his third time surpassing 100 yards from scrimmage this year. Uh, almost had his sixth touchdown of the year, but that kind of ricocheted off his chest. Couldn't haul in the bullet, the short-range bullet from Carson Wentz, but the Colts would score on the very next play. So uh, nice game from Michael Pittman Jr. Good to see him uh, kind of, I guess it wasn't a dominant performance, but he hadn't quite had the big games that he's had a little earlier in the year. So it's nice to see Pittman Jr. get going a little bit. All right, let's look at this division. And let's look at this, uh, how the playoffs are stacking up. Colts regain a winning record at 7-6. and six. Texans fall to 2-10. and ten. Jaguars also sit at 2-10 and ten after being blown out by the Rams, 37-7. to seven. Uh, I mean, the Jaguars and the Texans might end up with the first overall pick. Detroit Lions got their first win on Sunday. Uh, came on the final play of the game. Got to feel good for Detroit, especially after... That school shooting about an hour or so outside of Detroit um, recently. So it's nice to see them get their win. I saw head coach Dan Campbell kind of dedicated that win in that game ball uh, to everyone affected by that. So that was that was very nice to see. But uh, Jaguars and Texans could end up with the first overall pick. And unfortunately for the Texans, uh, it's not shaping up to be a great quarterback class. I saw I retweeted on something on Twitter that said, there might not be any quarterbacks going in the top 10 this year. Typically, teams kind of talk themselves into a quarterback when they're picking that high, so we'll see. Um, we'll definitely get into this a lot during the offseason when we have plenty of time to talk about the drafts. But Colts in one of the weakest divisions in football. And, of course, you have uh, the Titans sitting there at 8-4. and four. They were on a bye this past week. Looking at the playoff picture, number one seed New England Patriots. They are eight and four. Tennessee has a second seed at eight and four as well. Baltimore falls back into the third seed at eight and four after losing to the Steelers. Kansas City Chiefs are also eight and four. They all lead their divisions. Looking at the wild card, the Buffalo Bills are seven and four. They play tonight, Monday night football against those New England Patriots. So we'll see how they stack up the Colts. I mean, Colts fans might actually be rooting for new England in this one. I think it benefits Indianapolis more if the bills lose uh, Colts have a win already this year over the bills and bills have that wild card spot that the Colts are after. So uh, as, as backwards as it seems might be rooting for new England tonight um, at the sixth seed is the L.A. Chargers. They're 7-5 and five after beating the Bengals. And then the Bengals have that last wild card spot. They're also 7-5. and five. Joe Burrow dislocated his pinky finger on his throwing hand in that game. Uh, said he's still going to play. He returned to the game. But we'll see how that impacts him going forward. The eighth seed right outside that last playoff spot is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are 6-5-1. and one. That tie really just mucking things up. Uh, Steelers beat the Baltimore Ravens, and I mean, I was really rooting for the Ravens in this one. They failed to convert a two-point conversion for the win. They drove down the field, scored a touchdown, were down just one, and had the gutsy call. Said, you know what, let's just play to win or lose right here. Let's go for two. And they had Mark Andrews open. Lamar Jackson just missed him. So it was a good call, uh, just not well executed. And then right after the Steelers are the Colts. They're ninth in the AFC at 7-6. and six. 
Um, they moved into that ninth spot because the Raiders lost to Washington by two points. The Raiders have lost four of their last five. Colts will play the Raiders in a few weeks. Cleveland uh, is ranked 11th with a 6-6 six and six record. They also had a bye this past week. The Denver Broncos are 6-6. Six and six. They just lost to the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night and did not look particularly well doing so. That Chiefs defense is really coming together after struggling at the beginning of the year. And then don't look now, but here comes the Dolphins. They've won five in a row, and they are six and seven, so they are very much in the mix as well. Thankfully, the Colts have a win over the Dolphins earlier this year, so they would have that tiebreaker. But, Mike, you know, the rest of the Colts' schedule, they have the bye, then they're at home against New England, at the Arizona Cardinals, at home against the Raiders, and then at Jacksonville. Looking at how this, you know, the playoff picture and this Colts schedule, what needs to happen for the Colts to reach the postseason? Three and one gets you in. I, you know, I, I really believe. I've, I've always said they need to get to ten and seven, which, which three and one does that. Uh, I always defer to Nat Newell at the local newspaper. He's he's pretty confident that nine and eight gets you in. Because you've got, you'll have the the preeminent uh, tie break, the conference record against teams, and these teams we've talked about, they're just going to chew each other up. The, the the AFC West and the and the AFC North, uh, and it's, it's funny you mentioned it, uh, and I was texting with somebody with the Colts today. You're really all of a sudden a Patriots fan, at, at least this, if I'm not mistaken, Buffalo's got New England. And then they've got New England again. The, the Patriots have got uh, the Buffalo in, in two, two of the next three weeks. So I, I think after this one, they, they play again in two weeks. And I really think you need the Patriots to win the division and throw Buffalo back in the wild card mix because of the head-to-head. Uh, but that doesn't mean you, you can you can afford losing to the Patriots here. So it's really, really interesting. You can play the what-ifs. I, I, I see a scenario where Baltimore doesn't even make the playoffs. They're an absolute mess. They're an absolute mess. They they could so easily be five and whatever, eight or five and seven, whatever it would be with the games they've played, three or four plays. And the Colts could be ten and three. That's how crazy this season's been. But I, I three and one gets you in. Not you know what three, three and one gets you in. Two and two might get you in if you win the right ones. So I, I just think it's going to be a crazy interesting December. Yeah, you mentioned the Bills. They do have New England twice, and they also face the Buccaneers. Uh, So that might be three losses for the Bills there. Uh, In several of these times, like teams, like you said, they're going to beat each other up. The Steelers, they face the Vikings on Thursday. Hopefully the Vikings will be uh, motivated after losing to the previously winless Lions. But then they have the Titans, the Chiefs, the Browns, and the Ravens. I don't think any of these games are easy. The Bengals have a tough schedule, too. They face the 49ers this week. Then the Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs, and Browns. And the Chargers face the Chiefs, Broncos, and Raiders uh, still remaining this year, as well as the Giants and Texans. So those games won't be as difficult. But these teams are really playing each other down the stretch. A lot of these divisional games are still forthcoming. So all Indianapolis has to do is handle their business. I think if they split the New England and Arizona games. If they find a way to win one of those two games, and I actually think New England will be the better chance. It's at home. 
you know, I know Mac Jones has been playing well, but he is still a rookie quarterback. Uh, and, you know, Arizona just got Kyler Murray back. And they they have the best record in the NFL. They've only lost two games all season. So that's going to be a different difficult game uh, Christmas Day in the desert. But if the Colts can defeat the Patriots, defeat the Raiders, who seem to be spiraling, and then take care of business against Jacksonville uh, in week 18, I, I think their chances are looking pretty darn good. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't look up what uh, the websites are saying out there percentage-wise. I, I should have, but the Colts looking good. If you had to make a bet, Mike, are the Colts in or out? You put $5 yeah. on it. In. I, and I'd put more than $5. I, I just think that with the way the AFC is, or right now in the NFC, I think teams that are 6-6 six and six are in, I believe. Washington, I think. So it, it's just that you've got four or five, six teams that have really separated themselves you feel good about, and the rest is just crazy. It's just crazy. I think they get in. Uh, they've done – Frank Reich's done a very good job of, of, of keeping these guys on point and level-headed, not too low, not too high, which is what you've got to do. You know, I was concerned that maybe Houston, which I talked about last week, maybe that would be a clunker for them, which it wasn't. Uh, it, it, it was boring as heck, I think. It, it's kind of like, you know, a, a three-to-one three pitching duel in baseball where you're just you're just taking care of business. Well, that's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. And, again, the schedule's conducive, especially when you look at everyone else's schedule. So you don't need a lot of help. I, I think they can do what they need to do by just taking care of their business. You don't need, well, if they win, they go 3-1, and one, and then you have this team lose here and win there. And what, you don't need that. So I, I think despite all of what's gone wrong this year, the three losses that were just cripplers, the double-digit lo- uh, leads that you let go, it's still right there for them without a lot of crazy things having to happen. All right, still right there for the Colts. They just need to take care of their business. That'll do it for us today. Please make sure to subscribe and download. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. Follow Mike on Twitter at mchapel 51 And follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone, where we'll keep you up to date with all the news and notes throughout the week. Colts are going on the bye, and so are we. We will be back next week to preview their showdown with New England. So we'll enjoy a little bit of time off. And until then, you take care, Colts fans.